Today on Cinema Oblivia, we discuss the deadliest ninjas in all of Utah. Welcome to another episode of Cinema Oblivio, your podcast for discussions on films that are out of date, out of style, out of fashion, or out of whatever. Once again, I am your host, James Eldred, and we have a momentous occasion today. This is the first trio, two guests to talk about this fantastic film we'll be discussing today. Who is joining me from Texas? It's me. I'm Anthony Abbott, and uh, I am very happy to dive into this with y'all. Yes. And then also from Chicago... This is Norm from Question of a Character. Question of Character. Messed that up immediately. But anyway, uh, yeah, Revenge of the Ninja was one of my favorite movies of all time. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, yeah. We're talking today about the 1983 Canon Group all time ninja classic, Revenge of the Ninja. Now, this is not the first time Ninja has been on this podcast. Just two weeks ago, Anthony was here to discuss Enter the Ninja. And. That episode kind of bummed me out, not because of you, Anthony. You were great, but the movie's so bad. (laughs) The movie's so bad, and it's an important film culturally, which I love saying about a movie called Enter the Ninja, But, (laughs) but it's just not very good. And the more I researched it, the more I was like, man, Shokushugi's cool. Man, Revenge of the Ninja's a dope movie. Let's talk about Revenge of the Ninja. And when I was tweeting it, a little bit. Norm, you chimed in on Revenge of the Ninja. So I take it you had seen it before? Yeah, instantly. If, if you talk about Revenge of the Ninja, like immediately I have to respond to it. I love that movie. Like I grew up with it. I, and you guys were talking about like, you know, ninjas being introduced into America. And it's like literally after that, after that point, it was just all ninja. Like I don't remember anything before it either. Yes, it is the, it is the, I think Enter the Ninja is, you know, when ninjas entered. But Revenge of the Ninja is really, I think, the jumping off point between that and like G.I. Joe and Snake Eyes as like ninjas hitting the beginning of Ninja Critical Mass, which of course peaked with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't even go so far as, uh, I don't know if you're not familiar with the game Shinobi for Sega, like the arcade. But they have the mask ninja at the end, like that last boss, and he's almost like completely identical to Silver Mask. Well, there's, and also Revenge of Shinobi, isn't that just the, the ninja on the cover? Isn't that just Sonny Chiba? Well, this is Shinobi, like the initial. Oh, one, the, the first, first Shinobi. Arcade, okay. Like I never played a lot of Shinobi. I played Revenge of Shinobi a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. love that game. I love ninjas, so there you go. Well, well yeah, ninjas. Are, yeah. What even, about you, Ant? Also, even uh, like the Revenge of the Ninja, I, I think we might have mentioned this when we talked about Enter the Ninja. The movie poster for this. Oh, it's when so when when you see the, I know this is audio medium, but if you Google Revenge of the Ninja, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to every movie after this that your poster is not as good as this, but it also has that same art style of like Ninja Gaiden on like old school NES. Yeah, 
and it it does make me wonder like Shokashugi is moderately famous in Japan not super his son's more famous here but it does make me wonder if this movie got a major release in Japan and how it did here in Japan because I do feel like a this movie's a video game almost and you started to see a lot of ninjas in video games not too soon after this movie. So yep. I wonder, would you have Ninja Gaiden without Revenge of the Ninja? Who knows? I mean, of course, we don't. Japan didn't need America to bring ninjas to it, <laughs> but <laughs> but I feel like you know maybe this helped people in Japan realize, oh, there's an international market for ninjas. Well, I know he has like a deep love for like everything ninjutsu like i know he wanted to bring it over here he wants to have it being honored correctly like even in the movie you know he <laughs> when he's uh talking to brayden like brayden says something disparaging about it and it's like no you don't know ninjas aren't just uh honorless assassins they really do good things for the community you know blah 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 <laughs> it's community ninja uh, <laughs> uh norm what is revenge of the ninja about uh it's about a guy having his entire family slaughtered and then (laughs) (laughs) coming to America, not on his own whim, but, uh, you know, being coaxed into doing it and starting a dial factory with heroin inside of the dials. And then he doesn't know heroin's in the dolls. He doesn't know that. Yeah. But you know, that's part of the intrigue, I guess you can say. And then a whole, you know, dealing with the mafia and him getting revenge of having his, further family getting slaughtered <laughs> yes yes a lot of is are, are dolls a common way to smuggle heroin heroin i mean i don't know if you guys know or not i don't mean to make it you anthony know, i'm leaving that up to you hey <laughs> i was look i've seen documentaries on cooking cowboys it just seems like the 80s people smuggled things any way they could well like there's a, a fantastic old movie wait until dark with uh audrey hepburn and they doll with heroin in it is a key plot point of that film too so maybe it's the consistency works. I don't know. It's <laughs> oh, so maybe it's like that whole idea of like, you know, they're they're not gonna suspect these toys or these uh these things that, that we're trying to sell in this, you know, I don't even know what to call his his shop. Yeah. Um, no, like his gallery. They, yeah, you know, his the, gallery. No one's no one's gonna suspect these things. They're they're not gonna check this, you know. So it's kind of like the least thing you would suspect, I guess, someone to, to ship things in and yeah, I feel like there was like a lot of plots in a lot of you know crime movies where someone's like, pop open this thing that you wouldn't suspect that has cocaine or whatever in it, you know? Surprise it's cocaine! That's, What's, that's the best kind. That's why I was surprised <laughs> at the fact that they uh, chose heroin instead of cocaine. You know, this is the 80s and cocaine was like the hugest drug. You know, yeah. and, uh, well, they were in it's Hollywood. coming from Asia. It's coming from Asia. Uh, so okay. I think they're playing on AIDS and stereotypes a bit with opium. Perhaps. Sure, why not? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Like, it's, it's a strange I don't know show. my drugs. And <laughs> I have friends. I, I I live by Detroit, you know, so I've, I've yeah, you know, anyway. But yeah, this movie <laughs> does have the return. I want to start off the cast before we get really, well, I want to start with the main person. The main man here returning from Enter the Ninja is Sho Kashugi, the master 80s ninja who, as we discussed in the previous episode, was in Enter the Ninja, but he was not the titular ninja. And I think this time around, they made a much better decision of getting rid of that dumb white guy and getting someone a bit more authentic. Because Shokashugi is a real martial artist. We talked about him a lot in the last episode. 
and we we go into all all that detail if you want to know about that. But he's hardcore into this stuff, like like he's way into ninjutsu, <laughs> and even to the point where he trains his sons in it. Because we have little Kane here <laughs> as well as So's wonderful ass kicking son. Uh, what do you all think of Kane? Man, this kid. I I felt so sorry for this kid. Um, <laughs> this kid goes through a lot in his movie. You know, he. I, I thought the youngest kid I'd seen in a martial arts movie was uh, Ernie Reyes Jr. in Last Dragon, mm. and this kid looks like he's half his size. And he gets and he already starts the movie off getting picked on by bullies, and he ends up kind of fighting like the mafia. I mean, this kid goes through a lot. Well, he does better than his older brother because his older brother plays his little brother plays the other one. His, the other brother, uh, his brother, who in the first scene in the film gets a silk into the goddamn head and dies. Yeah, like that's that, that opening scene is spectacular. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of traumatizing as a kid. I can't lie to you because like the graphic violence was just like right there in your face, and then it's like the kid, the mother, they all just take it like immediately, and yeah. there's there's no chance. It's like so, ninjas are deadly and they will kill you. So, yeah. Noam, you saw this as a kid? Yeah, I saw it at the theater. And I remember, <laughs> no like, I'm dead serious. Yeah, I Wait, remember, how old, like, how old were you? I don't remember. Like, I, I remember you guys were talking about, like, uh, James specifically saying, like, you know, he had parents that kind of let him go see everything. I was the but same my way. Dad, but don't put it on my mom. Don't put that on my mom. That's my mom. <laughs> Wait, for the record, yeah. my mom also did not care what I saw as long as I didn't repeat any bad words at home. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, but but like yeah, like Kane was like he stole the show. Like the audience went crazy over Kane. Uh, like him doing like his little moves against uh Kathy later on. They just they just loved it, you know. So well, yeah. yeah and Kane went on to kind of be a a notable actor. He's in a few other movies with with his dad and his brother Shane. I cannot believe show named his kids Kane and Shane. That's would be illegal. <laughs> and he's in he's in Nine Deaths of the Ninja and Pray for Death and Black Eagle with with show and then something happened there was a falling out because kane went to japan to work and he is not like super famous here kind of like kind of like his dad like he's he's well known here but not like a, a mainstream celebrity because he's technically he's he's american he's not he's not a japanese he's not born japanese not, not born in japan so he's a american in the eyes of a lot of Japanese people, but he he competed in Ninja Warrior. Uh, he was in the very first season. I saw that episode. Yep. Yeah, and he yeah. he made it to the final once. I think. Yeah, and in the, in the eighth season, he made it to the final. Never won. No. Uh, I know. I know that like show had um like this. I guess gallery or store similar to show <laughs> almost, but like, uh, they wanted to keep up like the, he kind of treats it like a, um, I don't want to say like a Kabuki, but kind of like a theater where he uh, does like showcases and things oh, like yeah. that. And I know he wanted like the fat to keep it within the family and things too. So I remember, yeah, like you said, there was some kind of falling out or something that happened. Yeah. I don't know the full particulars. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, and he did a lot of like Japanese straight to video movies and TV shows. He's in, uh, a, like some superhero stuff. He's in. He does voice work. He's in the street. One of the Street Fighter anime. He's in Godzilla: Final Wars. He's in Tekken Two and Dead or Alive. <laughs> I, I I recognize his face as I look at his IMDb page. Yeah, he played he played Kazuya in the Tekken movie, which I have seen. Yeah. Oh. How is and the he's Tekken? In, in the he's in the Dead or Alive movie too. <laughs> have you seen Dead or Alive? I've seen both. Um, 
okay. How is Dead or Alive? The okay. live action movie? Live action as, movie. As a huge oh. fighting game fan, the Dead or Alive movie is one of the worst movies in general that you can ever watch, but it's one of those so bad it's good. Like, let's watch this because it's going to be a train wreck. The Tekken movie, the Tekken movie looks like we have some... We have some people that kind of know martial arts, but they look like really fancy cosplayers. <laughs> like, I thought the fights so were decent. Movie. Okay. Yeah, I thought the fights were decent, but it's, you know, even as a diehard Tekken fan, I don't never have to watch it ever again. Oh, shit. That was directed by Chaos. The That's his name. He goes by Chaos. He directed uh, Ballistic X vs. Sever. Oh which, wow! Which okay. is usually uh, that's Tekken two, Tekken two. Uh, that's usually considered one of the worst movies ever made. Um, yeah, the director of the first one. I know one, that, I know that from bad. the game. It has Antonio Banderas and uh, Lucy Liu, and the Game Boy game was really good, but the movie is terrible. It's one of the. It's usually considered one of the worst movies ever made. Like it has, I think it has a zero on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it has a zero on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and for a movie to come out in the internet era and get a zero on Rotten Tomatoes, that's really impressive. Damn. <laughs> yeah. So, Revenge of the Ninja, better movie than that. Anyway, uh, before we get too deep into the cast, I do want to talk also about the, the crew, because the, the crew, the entire crew is different for this film. There's no no Mike Stone. No one's going to say Mike Stone. Mike Stone. <laughs> I was waiting for Anthony. Mike Stone. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, an, I'm a child. And no, I mean, it, it is still uh, Golan, but he didn't direct it. Completely different writing team. And I think every replacement, except maybe Mike Stone. Mike Stone, because he's a good stuntman. I think every replacement's for the better. This was directed by a guy named Sam Furstenberg, who grew up in Jerusalem Wanted to make like social conscious dramas, he said. He made like some drama with Kirstie Alley in the early 80s. That didn't work out. Ended up being friends of Golan. And Golan's like, hey, you want to make a ninja movie? And he's like, what's a ninja? (laughs) 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 He seems like a nice guy. He's on the commentary track and he's very honest about the kinds of films he makes. Like he knows he's not making Oscar material, but he, he, he was, he puts effort into his work and. He admitted what he didn't know. So, like, Shokashugi really helped him to teach him how to film action. And they they took him, he would take him to, like, kung fu movies, and they used that as inspiration. And I think think it really shows in this film, because this is a very, this is directed a lot like a Hong Kong movie. There aren't a lot of quick cuts. Yeah, you know, I uh, saw the interview, and it's really interesting. I mean... That's probably what drew me into it as they intended. So, you know, bravo to them. But it's like it didn't have endless fight scenes. And, you know, he kind of made a point of that. You know, it's just like action, action, action. The shots were completely different. The action was slower. And but it was more, I guess, um, I, I, I hate to say U.S. oriented, but, you know, guns and yeah, uh, you yeah. kind of a little more brutal Mafioso. brutality. Yeah, but it it is a well directed film, and this guy made other good movies. He made Ninja Three, which is oh my god. Um, we'll talk later, and of course he made Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo, um, a hip hop classic. Have you seen Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo? I have. I, I've seen most of like the old school eighties hip hop movies, and uh, I haven't seen it recently. But it's the one I think most people think of because because of the title mainly. But uh, 
Yeah, Breaking 2, if you ever fall down like an old school hip hop vibe, you want to watch stuff like that, Crush Groove. I mean, it's a fun movie. You know, it's like there was like this time period in the 80s where everyone was obsessed with breakdancing. Breaking yeah. 2 is a great way to see that. My, my, my brother went to breakdancing school. And I think I told this story on the podcast. He couldn't, the most 80 sentence ever. He couldn't, he had to quit breakdancing because he hurt himself on his BMX bike. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> While holding his trapper keeper. No, that was me. That was me. My, my, tra- I, I, I have a whole trap. Anyway, let's not talk about trapper keepers. Um, do you need to see Breaking One to get Breaking Two? <laughs> not really. <laughs> no, because Breaking Two is ridiculous. Because <laughs> Breaking One's not available anywhere, not even on disc right now. But Breaking Two is on Amazon. So Breaking Two also has um I one see. of my favorite songs. Shaka uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Khan's "Ain't Nobody" is in that. In that oh, movie. and if, if nothing else, if you don't watch the movie. Just YouTube that scene because it's just a scene of like two or three of them like just dancing. Um, I think like in a in a house to that song, and it's one of the reasons why I love that song to this day. I, and turbo I dancing the, on the ceiling. Oh yes, that's oh, right. Oh man, I owned the soundtrack on vinyl. I, I have owned the Breaking Two soundtrack, both American and Japanese vinyl versions, at one point in my life. Uh, I'm me. This guy that's also a- did American Ninja Two: The Confrontation, which is a rad movie. And I don't want to do American Ninja films on here because I feel like if I'm going to do all three of these Ninja films, then doing five American Ninja films is a bit much. <laughs> but yeah. American Ninja 2 is a really good movie. And I mean that, honestly, it's dumb as bricks. But have either of you seen American Ninja 2? Yeah, I saw like all of them. I was, I saw, I think I saw it at the drive in. Uh, yeah, I know the guy, uh, the black dude who has like the headband, he was like, yeah, cool in there. Yeah. Steve James is rad. I, I've seen two of the American Ninja films, I just don't remember which two, and it's been a long time. <laughs> Were they good? They kind of mesh together, right? <laughs> they do. I mean, it's legit. Like, I saw two out of the four or five, but I don't know which ones. Um, I remember having fun with them. It was one of those things like uh, me and a buddy watched them one weekend, like, hey, let's watch some movies. Like, and he had like one of those sets that came with like four movies in one set. We watched two of them over a weekend and loved it. But I couldn't tell you a thing about what happened in them. Well, American Ninja 1 is really good. And that's the one in the Philippines. And then American Ninja 2 is in like a Caribbean island. And that's the one that Steve James really comes into his own. American Ninja 3 has a different ninja. And that one is not as good. But it does have a good villain. American Ninja 4 has both of them together. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. And then American Ninja 5 was filmed as a different movie, and then, then they renamed it. And that movie's actually really good as Pat Morita and um, Ernie Reyes' brother. Oh, wow. Lee Reyes. Lee Reyes. I think it's his only film. And that's actually a good movie. I was, like, flabbergasted. It's no, it's no event of the ninja, because it's also it's a kid's movie, so there's, there's no blood. But hmm. okay. unlike this movie, well, man... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, abounds. and and you said it was uh, uncut, so yeah, so yeah, the original version. If you get the DVD, so if you get the Blu-ray, this movie right now is not available as a good stream anywhere. I think it's some SD, but nothing in HD. If you get the Blu-ray, it's uncut with the added scene of the kid getting the start of the head, extra arterial spray, more blunt force trauma, just all around, like. It's a gnarly film. It's it, it's almost like the last vestiges of like the seventies grindhouse violence, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. 
Yeah, like almost and some like sem- like a uh, shogun assassin type stuff with like arterial mm. spray, especially at the end. Yeah, that, that was pretty uh, well, harsh. The phrase arterial spray, I just picture a Grandhouse movie. I mean, when you say that, I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> it's it's the image of like the silhouette of people fighting and like the blood splatter it pops up on the screen. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's that's all I can think of when you say something like that. Yeah, I, I think Grindhouse or Tarantino trying to beat Grindhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interestingly yeah. enough, too, um, when the bomb gets hit with the shuriken, like I didn't, <laughs> I thought it like <laughs> I know it sounds weird, right? But uh, when he got, I thought he got hit in the eye, but he actually got hit like to the left of his eye, so his like his oh. eyes like bulging out. It was interesting. Well, you know, it's his only good eye. Because <laughs> he, oh, yeah. he only had the one left. That's the <laughs> cold shit. You know, no, I didn't think um, about that. <laughs> this movie was, you know, speaking of violence, this movie was written by a guy named uh, James Silk, who I'd never heard of. But I want to see a documentary about this guy's life because he started as a magazine editor and as an artist. He was an art director for Capitol Records, won a Grammy for designing a Judy Garland album cover. So six degrees of separation to Judy Garland and Revenge of the Ninja is one. They give Grammys for album covers? I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, hey, I, they, so I got a shot. No, yeah, uh, uh, art direction and stuff. Yeah, it's not the you know how you know how there's Oscars you don't see on TV. Yeah, uh, yeah. Same okay. thing. Same thing. Same thing. And then he worked on a magazine called two different magazines, like Cinema and Movies International. Met Sam Peckinpah, became lifelong friends with Sam Peckinpah, <laughs> and. Worked on a couple of films. Worked on the Wild Bunch. I guess did collaborations. Like helped Sam Peckinpah with his writing, even. And then after Sam Peckinpah died, he went into comics and he did Vampirella comics. Whoa! Ah, Vampirella. Yeah. I, used to, I used to love that art. Um, his his a his a Vampirella connection to this podcast. The very first episode of this podcast. Uh, was about flash dance with my friend Jennifer. She was a model for Vampirella in the seventies. Oh, really? In the seventies, in the nineties. That's yeah. amazing. My baby and my babysitter at one point. So my baby, my, baby, my babysitter, Vampirella. That's amazing. Yes, yes. But he he didn't make a lot of other films. He built, he wrote Sahara, which is a bad movie. Ninja Three, the eighties King Solomon's Mine, and the Barbarian Brothers movie. Oh my God, the Barbarian Brothers! <laughs> Sounds like, a, like, like a tag team from like the '80s from wrestling. Almost, yeah. I, I, I saw this movie they had. They were like spy or action spies, and they were going against each other. It was so weird, and I had to find out who they were. Then I found out it was like, yeah, these guys are the Barbarian Brothers. Yeah, uh, um, Anthony, are you look, are you googling them right now? Yeah, because I've never heard ty- of this. I hear, I hear wild typing. Um, uh, yeah, the Barbarian Brothers, uh, Peter and David Paul. I think one of them passed away. I think David Paul passed away. Yeah, he passed away like last year. Um, but they're just these giant meatheads. They have they have a really small part in DC Cab, which might be their best movie. And if DC Cab is your best movie, then Yowza. They they should... go ahead, what? No, I said you should really watch this spy movie they made then. Or is like it double... uh, it's, they made a, it's spy, not even a spy movie. movie. It's like it's like a bad cop, good cop guy. Like one of the brothers is like this bad like thief, and the one guy is a cop. I said spy movie, so sorry. 
These guys are huge. I mean, you've got to, if, you're, if you're listening and you don't know who they are, Google the Barbarian Brothers. And I mean, I was joking when I said it sounded like a, a wrestling tag team. They look almost too big to be wrestlers. Well, they, they they really remind me of the Ultimate Warrior in that they have this look that yeah. is just captivating, but they have no talent, just like the Ultimate Warrior. Like, I don't know how I miss these guys back in the day. I've never seen them before. Well, they made very few films and they're all terrible. So. You didn't miss out. Uh, okay, fair enough. I, James Silk, I believe James Silk is still alive, and I would love. There's a, a million interviews of James Silk on the internet, but they're all about Sam Peckinpah. No one has asked James Silk about Revenge of the Ninja. Unfortunately, this is oh, my wow. goal in life now. Because um, I want to know how you go from being Sam Peckinpah's collaborator to working with the, the Canon Group. That's uh, it's an odd step. It's a Goals. wild change of events. Yeah. So, what, are either of you familiar with Sam Peckinpah films? Not offhand. What are we looking at? Wild Bunch. Um, uh, is that the one where it's like an action movie? They were trying to leave, like get escape from somewhere. No, Wild Bunch is a is the is a is a revisionist restaurant from the sixties. It's ultra violent. He also did um, the Getaway with Steve McQueen. Um, a lot of other good westerns that. from the fifties and sixties, and kind of fell off the fell off the rails in the 70s because of cocaine and alcoholism but he's one of my all-time favorite directors if you if you ever just want to see like misanthropy on film <laughs> then sam peckinpah uh bring me the head of alfredo garcia which i talked about on this podcast with alex navarro it's one of alex navarro's favorite movies just I, i've heard realistic. his name a lot yeah. i feel yeah. like i need to see some of his stuff Major influence on Hong Kong cinema, also. Like without Sam, without Sam Peckinpah, you would not have John Woo, because mm, the okay. ending, the ending of Better Tomorrow Two is just the ending of Wild Bunch. Like, it's just it's the same ending. <laughs> so, every there's no axes in, in Better in a uh, Wild Bunch, but other than that, same ending. But <laughs> anyway. Two more people of note, really quick. The composer on this movie, uh, because the first movie we talked about the music in that one, Anthony, and, and I, I, I hate the music in Revenge the, in Enter the Ninja. It's garbage. I, one of my least favorite scores of all time. This one hat; those two guys are credited on this score, but the most of the work is by Robert J. Walsh, and it's my favorite kind of eighty score. It's like all synth. It's so good. Oh man, it's so good. It's so good. You you like it, Norm? I love this soundtrack. Like literally, <laughs> I made a beat out of it. Like back in the day, I I, I love this. And, <laughs> and like, it's funny too. Like when any time like an action scene happens, you hear this like, <laughs> like this huge synth stab. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's so funny. It's good stuff. I own the soundtrack. I I, I paid like too much money <laughs> to get like an <laughs> out of an out of print um CD of it, and the CD has like. They call it an enhanced score, so it has the complete score, and then it has like a remade version with like more synths. So, if you if you're like, you know what, this needs more synthesizers, then I got good news. It's a good one. But that guy did a ton of stuff. Uh, he did a lot of canon stuff. 
nothing great. But then he got into cartoons. And so he didn't always do the theme songs, but he did music for the Pink Panther cartoon, the G.I. Joe cartoon, Inhumanoids, which I loved as a kid. Oh, I remember that. Um, Fraggle Rock, Gem, that Pride of the X-Men pilot. Um <laughs> Transformers, but not the theme song. He didn't do the theme song, but he did, he did incidental music for Transformers. And but from what I can tell, he did write the theme song to Muppet Babies. Oh wow, yeah, that's pretty huge. Yeah, but you know he what just, though? Uh, he started to do compositions for some movies I'm quite not fond of. If you look <laughs> later in his career, because yeah, he started. Is, to, you said he did music, I, music for Uli Lamel. Yeah, and those like like the uh, BTK Killer and the Green River Killer, they they're they are horrendously bad. Not even funny bad. It's like you know, turn this off, please, and let's do something else. It's so bad. Oh wow. Yeah, well, Uli, Uli Lamel is a fascinating filmmaker because he's made over sixty films and they're all terrible. <laughs> and but he did um, the Boogeyman though. So. Which is a terrible. Which is a bad movie. I don't remember it. I remember I, it scared me as a child, but I don't. I, I just remember it from like scenes. That's about it. Boogeyman, I, I reviewed that when it came out on DVD because I wanted to see it because that was like a video nasty. And when I was a kid, the mm-hmm. box scared me. But then you watch exactly. the movie. You watch the movie and it is a horrible. And it's one of those films where you watch it and like John Carradine's there. And I'm like, oh man, what are you doing? Do you need do you need <laughs> money? Like what, what 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 did you have a falling out with Dave? What happened? Like it's it's <laughs> bad. So to see that he went to Uli Lamel, that's that's a shame. Because, oh, he, oh, he's a bad filmmaker. And he's still making movies with Uli Lamel. He made one in 2018. I mean, you know, if they're buds, that's cool. Is it cool? Is it really? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm a positive kind of guy, so why not? Yeah, be, be, be positive, be positive. And one more person, the stunt guy on this. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stunt people on it. Because who, who dug up the information about who doubled for the ninja in the notes? So... Yeah, there's this big thing, apparently, like, uh, Eddie C, Eddie, you know, TSC, was supposed was supposedly Silver Mask, and he has an, you know, Instagram page and a Facebook touting, so even show Koshugi says that, you know, I had the final fight with Silver Mask, which was Eddie C, but apparently, you know, I looked at a couple interviews as well, um, uh, Lambert, he's kind of proclaiming that he was Silver Mask, and he did, like, a lot of this stuff. Yeah, they would fight each other. You know, it'd be pretty uh, good. Yeah, yeah, Steve Lambert, he he's on the commentary track, and he it's a good commentary track, but almost in every single shot, he'll say who he is. <laughs> like that's me, that was me, that was me, that was me, that was me. He is the the rhinestone the rhinestone cowboy in the uh, the amazing park fight, which we'll get to. He is a lot of the ninjas in the opening scene. He's the ninja dangling off the tree. <laughs> in the opening scene. Um, but he claims that he doubled him and show both doubled for the mask ninja. I don't think he mentions Eddie's name in the commentary track. He so, didn't. And like, mm. that was like, somebody got like really pissed online about it. And was like, oh. why is this dude talking about himself so much? You didn't do all this. Eddie C was the guy. And it's like, you know, you're taking mm. all the credit for this. Pretty mm. weird. It's that stunt man bravado, you know, he, he's in a lot of movies. He, he was in Canon canon stuff for a long time but then he moved on to like you know real films he was in he's a stunt man in air america um deep cover which is a great movie 
Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the specialist, uh, jury duty, <laughs> um, escape from LA, Titanic, vampires, scream three, Oce- the Oceans movies. So long career in stunts. Like his last credit is in 2016, but he's probably retired at this point because I mean, come on, that's like 40 years of stunt work. I'm surprised he can walk. <laughs> so, yeah, seriously. Yeah, the stunts in this movie are, are top notch. I mean, the you know that whole van sequence, like oh man, the, yeah, uh, yeah. Beyond the fact that his knees should be just completely bone, and like the movie <laughs> should be over. I mean, I don't know. That seems really tough to do. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's and it's again a big step up from Enter the Ninja, which has good fights but everything is very staged the camera work is very stationary the there aren't a lot of set pieces with stunts this movie has that amazing chase sequence and of course the entire third act <laughs> of oh, just God, yes nothing but fantastic stunt work fantastic fight work just very well and paced very well like it doesn't like you, you know um Furstenberg said he didn't want to make a nonstop action film, and it's not nonstop action. But once the action starts in the third act, it really doesn't stop. Like that, the whole third act is like is like the final boss of a video game. You know, any you could pick any one action scene in Revenge of the Ninja, and it looks like it took more planning, more choreography, more filming, more setup, and more budget than the entirety of Enter the Ninja did. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> And I think I mean, that might have to do with who else is in it. Because like in, in, in addition to Show and Kane, you also have uh, Keith Vitale, who he plays the, the ninja cop, which, you know, a cab, but ninja cop. Um, he is a legit, like he's a karate black belt. He's won the U.S. champion. He wrote several karate instructional books. He also wrote a children's book about bullying called Victor Stops the School Bully, <laughs> which you can oh, buy. Oh, my goodness. He has a great website. I, one thing I've between this and the last Ninja film, like if you want to see the most hyper, hyperbolic websites, go to official websites of martial artists because it's it's like an it's like everything on there is written like written like a wrestling shoot. Like I was the greatest of all time. I won like every martial artist who has a webpage has won eighty five championships. And, and they always show like their trophies in the background and yeah. they're just completely hugely proud of themselves. And which yeah. they should be because they put a lot of time into what they do when and what they kick. Hey, yeah. Yes, yes, I, can, <laughs> I, can, I can I I I used to be able to kick pretty high, but you know, I'm I'm tall. But like yeah, I, I if I could if I could kick like they kick, I would let everyone know too. So makes sense. He has an amazing fight sequence in Wheels on Meals with Jackie Chan. Uh that he's not the main bad guy. He's not that's that's Benny Uruguez is in that movie. But Keith Vitale, he he does he's one of those guys who can do like eight million kicks in a row. Like kind of like the bad guy in Drunken Master 2 at the end. And it just looks so cool. Like it's not practical and it's kind of stupid and it's probably not a good fight technique, but damn it looks good on camera. Yeah. <laughs> And he's been trying to make a Daniel Boone biopic for like ten years. Like if if you go to his Wikipedia page, he's like, okay, I, hey man, everybody has that here because David everybody Proctor has their was, passion project, projects. Like yeah. it says on the wiki on his wiki, it said he 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 wrote a screenplay for a Daniel Boone biopic 
It was scheduled to start in 2012. And if you go to his webpage, he's like, we're going to start filming this movie next year. And I'm like, dude, you're 70 years old. I hope you're not Daniel Boone. Never too late. It's so so random and so specific at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) That's a very good way of putting it. Also, also random is uh, the fact that, you know, Punky Brewster's dad's in this movie. Virgil Fry. That's Sailor Moon Fry's dad. He's here. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's the he's the the Lieutenant Dime. That dude was a boxer. Um, like a Golden Gloves champion boxer, a B movie actor. And you know, again when I, when I see these names, I should kinda like immediately recognize it. If I see somebody's names like, you know, Ralph Lundgren, it's like, okay, that must be Dolph's father. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph. <laughs> Ralph Ralph Lundgren. <laughs> I, I I like Virgil Fry. He's in a lot of movies and he was he did makeup on Easy Rider, apparently, but I, he's Lieutenant Dime in this, and I just feel like he's sleepwalking here. Like he's just like he 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 gets into a big fight with with a mobster and it's like a, a verbal fight, and it's just like he looks he looks I don't I wouldn't say he looks drunk. He's he's not drunk, but he looks like he just doesn't care. And maybe you can't blame him for be, not caring about being the cop in, in the Ninja movie. <laughs> um, yeah, he's just he's just kind of there. He's kind of yeah, there. Yeah. Also kind of there is um, Arthur Roberts, who plays the bad guy, Brayden, because, like, he's barely in the movie when he's not in a mask. And when he's in a mask, he's not him. <laughs> right? He's, he just has a creepy voice. Jeez, he has a good so voice, weird. yeah. And he plays a prick well, but, like, all of the important parts with him, he's it's, it's not him. It's a double. Because he's, he's not a ninja. Ninja, please. No. Well, Something interesting that show said, and he did a good job. I didn't even realize this. He played, you know, the good ninja and Silver Mask. And he he said he played them. He played the good ninja as a good ninja would be. And he played like uh, Silver Mask as like an, how an evil ma- uh, ninja would act. And to me, you know, it, he seemed evil. He moved evilly. Yeah. Person. Yeah, the the choreography, like, you know, you really notice that in the, in the end fight. Like, not in the end end fight. In- when uh, ascending the skyscraper at the end, like a like a video game, and you know shows taking out guys quick, you know he is murdering them, but cutting arms off and stuff. But he he's moving in a very defensive way to stop these people. Like the silver mask man, he destroys that guy's nuts. Like <laughs> yeah, there's no other way to say it. <laughs> What's that weapon it, it, called? I don't. Oh, there's like, there's I don't like know. two small batons with handles, like Tom the, 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 the batons, because they have handles. Tonfa. Yeah, and he yeah. goes to town on that dude's junk. Like, dude, just kill him. <laughs> well, he also drops like, uh, for lack of a better term, like spikes or something in a hallway in the they building. Both do point. that a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but like the silver mask dude drops on the guy, and the guy just falls face forward into oh, it. Oh yeah. And he just kind of looks at him like, you know, <laughs> it's so, he's just so savage. And he's very dismissive. Like the guy's trying to stop him and he just keeps, he just keeps picking the lock and just throws the stars behind him. Like he doesn't even care. Yeah. He, he seems more like, you know, this guy kind of inter- interrupted my work. You know, he doesn't really <laughs> care that he just killed a man. I'm a ninja on the clock. God damn it. I have work to do. <laughs> I can't go in overtime today. How dare you, sir? How dare you? <laughs> uh yeah, like so like Brayden's not a very interesting character, but Silver Mask is a good character, I guess, is the way to way to look at it. And the other villain is 
Caifano, played by Mario Gallo, the most Italian no. ass Italian Italian whoever Italian Italian now, Italian. I saw I saw that he was in Raging Bull. I couldn't if he's in Raging Bull that. and Joe Pesci is in Raging Bull at the same time, the movie should have just exploded. <laughs> Forget about it. It's just like, and his character, those the mobsters in this movie. So like, you know. Um, Brayden is smuggling heroin to sell to the mobsters, but then the mobsters don't want to pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, one thing the mafia is good at, selling heroin. I think they would, they'd honor that. Um, that's their thing. But they are the most, like, they stepped out of Some Like It Hot. Like, that's how dated they look in this movie. <laughs> They're like, like, it's like Al Capone's nephew. <laughs> it's like, Cheap, cheap Italian suits with shiny ties and smoking that giant cigar like he's in a fucking Bugs Bunny cartoon. Like it's just they might as well have the hats. Oh yeah, yeah. What was that, Norm? No, I said they might as well had the hats. You know, like the mugger or whatever hats they called them. Yeah, some of them did. I think. (laughs) think Ah, top hat. Oh, interesting. Not the top top hat, like a fedora. Yeah. They look like the guys that would get dismissed from the Raging Bull casting call. Like, okay, you guys are a bit much. We think we're good for today. Like, you guys just head on out. <laughs> like, like, uh, what do they, you mean? What, what are you talking? <laughs> Forget about it. That's my Italian. Forget about Forget it. Forget about it. Cannoli. It's like they're all, they're all, they're all Sophia Petrillo's cousins. Uh, from Golden, from Golden Girls. I'm on a Golden Girls kick right now, so that's my go-to Italian. Is uh, is Sophia because Sophia is great. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but he's it's such a stupid character and everything about it is just so fucking stupid, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. I also love I love the grandmother also. Um, yes. Played by a woman named Grace Oshita. This is her only film. Um a very interesting person. I, I found her obituary as he passed away a few years ago at the age of ninety two. So Long, happy life. She was born in San Francisco, though, and unfortunately was interned in the America in the in the relocation camps during oh, wow. the war. After the war, her family moved to Utah and became very successful making miso. And she was involved with local activities and museum groups in the Salt Lake City area. But yeah, this is her only film, and she's pretty good in it. I think and, you know. It's a small role, but you know, she has that dope fight scene. <laughs> oh yeah. Grandma makes use of her time on screen. This lady was amazing. Yeah. And I didn't expect her to have a fight scene and what had happened. I was like, man, you know what? This this lady killed it. Yeah. So for this yeah. to be her only movie, uh, hey, ten out of ten. Great. Yeah, yeah, that was Yeah, that go was ahead, really Norm. That was that was that was like a stained uh stain stiller as well. Like, you know, yeah. people love that as well. Also, a scene stealer in that scene is that hilarious backflip she does that is so clearly. <laughs> yes. A, and I think that's a man. I think that's a man. If you have the time on the Blu ray copy, freeze frame that. Um, the, the, the legs aren't hairy, but they're big. It's, 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 it's kind of like um, what's in Daryl Hannah's double in Blade Runner, where if, if you watch the original cut, like that's a dude. That's a dude. Oh, really? dude. oh man. Oh, yeah. oh, she's running away. No, doing the backflips. Oh, okay, okay. And the leg lock, like that part. That's a man. That's a man, baby. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's 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 
you think they do a better job of hiding that. I guess I guess in, in, in the heat of the... Hey, the first time I saw the movie, I didn't think about that. It wasn't until the third viewing where I was like, I'm a freeze frame grandma here and watch her do this backflip. I love the best part also, like, they also, they cut the, her, like, like hopping at, like, to, to, end, to end the move. Like, there's a big, there's a wide take of the backflip and then a close-up of her landing. So you it's like, oh yeah, it's totally, it's totally her. It's totally, it's easy, got this. And then I think one more person of note in the film is Ashley, I guess, Ferrari, for, for, I don't know how to say that, um, Ferrari, who plays Kathy, who is like the, the femme fatale, not re- I mean, kind of a reverse femme fatale, because he starts evil and gets good, and she doesn't do much. She gets kidnapped and is held hostage in a spa. <laughs> but her one fight scene is good. Her fight foreplay is good. Yeah, that was strange. <laughs> strange. Uh, honestly, she's responsible for one of the funniest lines in the movie to me when um, he doesn't realize that she's just hitting on him. And I think he, he walks in and she's talking about, oh, I'm going to work out or something. He's like, if you want to work out, you forgot your pants. <laughs> Show, 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 show enough. You know, that does sadly play into the stereotype of Asian men in American films being like, you know, without sex, like sexless. Mm-hmm. Like at no point is show a man who's going to get his, get, get his, get his Mac on. Like he is uh, completely aromantic. What was that? Apparently he was really no nonsense too. Uh, because on that interview with Lambert, he says like, uh, he was chasing around Kane, like, you know, having like fun with him, you know, like goofed off and Kane was laughing. And he said, show with like grunt and like, Rrr. and then he would just like <laughs> stop immediately. So. I can see that. Yeah. He, he seems like a, like, you know, shows a good actor. Kane's a good actor now and he's good in this movie, but you do have to wonder how, what do you have to do to make a seven year old do this movie? Like how, what is the, what is the training schedule like for, for Kane? What is showed like? Does Kane want to do this movie? He's seven. Does Kane yeah, seriously? Does Kane want to get thrown across the room? <laughs> you know, he said he started them in diapers. Yeah, yeah, he started doing stretches like, like you know, like super flexible stretches when they before they could even walk. So, I guess you're born into it. Uh, Ashley Ferreira is only in one of the film, which I've never seen, but now I want to. It is called Cyclone. Uh, here is the plot of Cyclone from the IMDb. A young woman must deliver a top-secret motorcycle to the U.S. military after the man decided to deliver it. Her lover is murdered by enemy agents. Okay, and that, I'm, 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 interested. I'm interested. 1987. And the motorbike shoots out lightning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll take two tickets now. <laughs> so is it like, is it like Street Hawk? Do you know who Street Hawk I, is? I saw the the I, I'm not sure, but I saw the preview and man, that oh looked, no! And it starts off with like uh, it's a lot of like um, aerobic scenes with mm-hmm. her doing the butterfly, like you know, <laughs> wait. So there you go. This movie has Martin fucking Landau in it. Yeah, that was weird, right? And Jeffrey Combs. Uh, and most troublingly, though, it was directed by Fred Olin Ray. So, I'm not familiar. Fred Olin, Ray's, Fred Olin Ray has made, according to the IMDb, Fred Olin Ray has made 162 films. 
Whoa. Um, they're almost all bad. He made, I think, did he do, uh, one second. No, he didn't do Alien. I thought he did Alien from LA. He did a lot. Of, he did terrible, terrible movies. His best movie, his best movie is Hollywood Saint Saw Hookers. I'm sorry, what? Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. That's what I thought you said. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good movie. Good score. And Gunnar Hansen's in that. <laughs> Gunnar Hansen, that's Leatherface. And uh, Leanna Quigley are in that. And it has the best tagline, one, the second best tagline for a Chainsaw film ever. The best tagline for a Chainsaw film is Pieces, was Pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. This is a good tagline. Um, Hollywood Saints Saw Hooker's tagline is they charge an arm and a leg. Ooh. So that's really good. It knows My what it is. You, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The satanic taint hookers who yeah, it's a whole thing. Um maybe it's I haven't seen that since since I was like twelve. So and I'm not the target market for that film. Um I'm not the target market for any Fertile and Right film, trust me. That man likes naked woman. But I'm going to have to watch Cyclone if I can find it, because that looks amazing. When you when you were watching this movie, where did you think it was made? I mean, so you so you know now, but like watching the movie, not the opening part. We'll get to the opening part, but like the the crux of the film. Did you think it? Did you know where it was filmed when you were watching it? I did not. I just thought it was maybe like L.A. Yeah. Yes, it is. Same. I thought yeah. it was Hollywood. Yeah. yeah, well, a couple scenes of Hollywood, but the overwhelming majority of this film was made in Salt Lake City, Utah. What? <laughs> when I think ninja, I, I always think, you know, Mormons, Mormons. in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Mormon, Mormon ninjas? The of and the Utah Jazz. Utah's dumbest sports name ever. Anyway, because <laughs> you know what Utah's name is for? Jazz. It's better than uh, IBM Big Blue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair, enough, fair enough but no they filmed it there because um you know tax cut yeah tax i cut. guess maybe that was like the way louisiana is now where it's cheaper to film like there in like atlanta like or georgia certain places a lot of places do that like they filmed mind hunter in pittsburgh well outside of pittsburgh because pa gives tax cuts you know mm. so i guess the mormons were ahead of the game um with, I'm sorry to make Mormon jokes, but I mean, fucking come on, it's Utah. What are you gonna do? Um, <laughs> it's a not. It's it is. They say when they're making it on the commentary track that they they didn't they don't identify the city like they don't they never claim it's L.A. But you know, Kane is decked out in nonstop L.A. Dodgers clothes. <laughs> like ah, that's yeah. really subliminal. I didn't even think about that. I yeah. got tripped into it. Yeah. But then when there's the fight at the end of the, on the rooftop, it is clearly not Los Angeles. Like those mountains in the background, very scenic, mm-hmm. um, scenic Utah. But I just, I, I do find it hilarious that this ninja movie was made in fucking Utah. 
<laughs> and and production went pretty smooth, I guess, except it was too long. And the, you read some stuff on the IMDb about why it was cut. Did you read that? Have you have you guys see, looked at that at all? No, I didn't see that. No, I haven't yet. Some people say it was cut because like it was too like meandering and Shokushugi had too much control. But on the commentary track, the director's like, we made a two hour movie. Canon's like, yo, no, you make a 90 minute movie. The end. Ah, uh, really? So they had to cut it down just to fit the because Canon wants you can on ninety minutes you can make it a, a double feature maybe. Um, but to be fair, I mean it's enough. You didn't need two <laughs> hours of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't feel like I, I was getting shorted on anything after I saw this. Yeah, there is a you know it's it's the the problem with new movies, right? Every new movie is like two and a half hours long. Yeah, and and I think. Like I wanted to watch some Oscar nominees, and like it's I'm sitting down at nine o'clock at night, and I'm like I'm an old man. I'm, I'm not going to spend two and a half hours to watch a movie at nine o'clock at night. I'll fall asleep. Um, but I can watch Revenge of the, Revenge of the Ninja by ten thirty and go to bed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm responsible. <laughs> so, the opening shot of this movie made my boyfriend laugh so hard that I thought he was going to fall out of the chair. <laughs> because the opening, the, so again, we're gonna go. We're gonna okay. Spoilers now, I guess. But it's who the fuck cares? I mean, <laughs> this is. Exactly. A, would you guys both agree this is, this is a movie worth watching? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Easily. So, but would you both agree it's not because of the plot? Oh yeah. No, not yeah. at all. So yeah, you can find out everything about this film and still enjoy it. But the opening shot of this film. It says it has a picture of the Golden Pavilion, like a uh, historical landmark in Japan. And then it says the caption, Tokyo, Japan. Yo, that shit's in Osaka. I mean, that's, that's in Kyoto. That is in Kyoto. That is a famous historical landmark in Kyoto. Mishima wrote a story about it. Um, it would be like showing a picture of the Statue of Liberty and saying, Los Angeles. <laughs> like, that's how bad that mistake is and watching it in japan with my boyfriend who again is japanese like it killed him it was just because it's such a stupid mistake yeah Um, i mean in the 80s nobody knew anything about anything and you know we just kind of took everything (laughs) at face value nobody there was no internet you know (laughs) yeah the target the target audience us americans had no context so that was even anything off about it no, I mean, if you would have said Chinese ninja, they wouldn't have batted a fucking eye back then. Like, they had no idea, I guess. Yeah. But the film picks up immediately after that because you saw that amazing opening fight sequence. Yeah, um, that was great. I mean, oh, just the whole scene of, you know, how the ninjas moved. And I, I love how, like, the choreography is just, like, really great. He took his time. He knows his stuff. You don't, like, in Enter the Ninja, you it just does not look even near as <laughs> interesting. No, it really doesn't. Yeah, it's very staged in Enter the Ninja. What do, what do you think, Anthony? No, I'm agreeing with everything you guys are saying. It feels <laughs> it, instantly. I felt like, oh, someone took time to shoot and choreograph this. Like, I immediately was like, this is gonna be a, a riot. Like, it feels like you can tell the movie didn't have much money, but the thing that they could do was like, hey, we have a professional on set in the movie who knows martial arts and who is gonna make sure that everything we do 
fight-wise, which is why we're here, it's going to look as good as possible. And I feel like for what this movie was, yeah, it's the, the best that they could have done with the fights. And a director who knows how to, who, who's working well with this person to, to film him in a good way. Yes. So the choreography looks good. It uses the close-up shots when you need it. It has the faraway shots so you can see the, the uh, agility. It uses um, uh, gratuitous amounts of gymnast doubles. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, Sokosugi is a good ninja, but he's not a bad. He, every time he's doing a, a backflip or something, that is a stunt double whose name was Dick Hancock. I'm sorry, just Dick Hancock. And but it's all filmed very well, even if what's happening doesn't make much sense. Because do they even explain why these ninjas want to kill him so bad? You know, I looked into that and I didn't <laughs> find a good answer. And it's kind of like, go ahead. Also, the fact that you had to look into it tells us they didn't do a good job of telling us what what they were wanting to kill him for. Yeah. Uh, well, well, no. Well, actually, you know what? I, I kind of read a little bit. Apparently, um, of course, you know, Iga is like the most famous ninja and Cho was, or Cho was supposed to be like an Iga ninja. And uh, it was the Koga clan that was going against him. I forget why. I don't I didn't really look into it. But Kogas are the bad guys here. Mm. One thing my uh, my boyfriend pointed out also is that the opening of this movie is almost identical to the opening of the newest Mortal Kombat film. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it is actually. <laughs> it's damn. I didn't even think yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, you didn't think yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. But, but who's the, the bad guy? And who's the? Is it Scorpion is trying to kill Sub Zero's family? Um. Oh no 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 Sub Zero. I forget because I I hated that movie, but. It's the same thing. It's like they and they hide the baby and then everyone dies and then someone gets the baby. Yeah. It's the same it's yeah. the same thing. What's this weird? Um oh. We invented a ninja. Better movie than Mortal Kombat. I hated that. I can get that. behind that. I hated that movie. <laughs> I can, I can get I, behind that. I love after this brutal fight sequence where his wife and his son have been brutally murdered. They have a pretty calm discussion <laughs> about you should go to America now, man. <laughs> Go, no, go open right an art now. gallery or something. Like, yeah. let's just go go to America. Like, yeah. this guy's talking about business. Like, dude, my family was just murdered. What are you talking about right now? Like, my son got a Sirokin to the fucking face. I don't care about your dolls. It, of course, he, he's coming in talking all business. Yes, and the, the the foreshadowing on Braden is so obvious. Like, it has the 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 low the low shot zoom in on his eyes, like. Maybe this guy's a bad guy. Well, I'm glad they explained, like, you know, what he's even doing there. So, you know, he was there for 20 years training. So that's why he knows how to, you know, fight like he does and have all those skills. If he was there for 20 years training, how did he get time to be a drug dealer? <laughs> you know, I mean, things <laughs> come up Yo, sometimes. in Japan. <laughs> they don't fuck around with drugs here, man. Uh, yeah, I heard weed is pretty bad, in fact. Yeah, I have never heard of anyone getting busted for heroin in this country, period. The penalties are so strict. You hear about cocaine a bit and like unnamed stimulants, which I assume is speed, but like, and, and, and weed, but I have never heard about a, like a big heroin bust here. Like, there's no, this is not a country for that. Like, you know, there's a reason why there's no grunge rock here, I guess. Um, there's just no, <laughs> no, no, no smack. But then, well, that yeah, kind of so, goes into, yeah, like the same thing, you know, like, you know, w take whatever you can from Asia. We know opium comes from Asia. So, hey, yeah, yeah come from Japan, too. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> it's quite, why not? Yes. 
and they come from Japan to America. And our first scene in America is so weird because it doesn't has nothing to do with Cho show. It has to do with Kane being bullied and then beating the shit out of those kids. Is wasn't he like just walking with his grandma? Yeah, he's walking with his grandma and this this you know this this multiracial group of shitheads just comes up and starts giving him shit for no reason. So weird. Let's let's bully this kid who is like half our size. And yeah. he's with his grandma. But you don't know is that he's the son of a ninja. You <laughs> fucked with the wrong one today, son. <laughs> son of a ninja. Exactly. Son of a ninja. Son God of a ninja. God damn it. Avenger Ninja 2. It's got to be a spinoff. It's got to be a spinoff series. Kane. Kane. Like, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I like that. Grandma's just kind of cool with watching it go down, too. <laughs> you know, she doesn't care. Yeah. Granny's like, my kid can fuck these kids up. It's fine. It's fine. She, she knows what's about to happen. Yes, she really does. And then uh um Cho like kind of uh chastises Kane, you know, for, for, for going to town on those kids so bad. It's like I gave you this alligator shirt. You don't do this, you know. <laughs> he's, he's, he's wearing an alligator shirt. <laughs> that shirt was, like we that shirt was dope. I like that shirt. I can't even lie to you. He he killed it with that. That shirt his, looks his... like Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So his fits on point, but he yeah. just can't control his rage. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, he he has he has you know he's a he has no mother mother figure in his life other than his grandma. He's he's an immigrant in an unknown country. He's getting bullied. Don't give him shit for for he's defending himself. You know, mm-hmm. by by nearly murdering children. Let him let him be him. Not not fair. Um, but Kane. Kane is the reason why it all goes to shit because, like, you find out. So they have this amazing gallery with all the neon, and Kane Kane makes an oopsie. What happens with Kane, uh, Norm? Oh, that's when all the uh, heroin troubles start to emerge. Yes, Kane knocks over a doll, and oops, heroin. And Kathy, who is like. Braden's assistant and possibly chose like how you doing. Um, it's like, oh no, 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 don't worry. That's just uh, anyway, you don't go over here. But Braden's like, oh that I gotta kill this kid now. <laughs> they could have just told him it was sugar, like he knows what heroin is. <laughs> they could have just said anything. <laughs> it was doll dust. Well they could have got him hooked. <laughs> Get him hooked. That too. Make him a customer. I mean, come on, man. If if eighties if eighties PSA has taught me anything is that drug dealers love to sell hardcore drugs to elementary school students. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on, forget about it. Speaking of forget about it, the mafia. I don't understand. Like, I this movie has so many villains, and I guess just having it be ninja v ninja doesn't give you enough chances for other conflict. But everything about the mafia coming in and not wanting to pay Brayden for the drugs and all that going to shit, it's just so silly in a silly film. It's like well, this whole this whole drug like um, importing thing is like a whole Breaking Bad season. It's just thrown in here. You ninja, know? <laughs> breaking Ninja. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about it now, though. I'm, I'm actually kind of glad that they did like kind of use the mafia because you want to see a ninja just go to town. And you know they have no chance to go against going against like his super supreme martial arts style, and it's like all they can do is just die, basically, <laughs> in just like the best fashion. 
Yeah, <laughs> I I do love. I like it. So like, Braden starts offing the mafia, and he goes to that that does the, the mafia guys having a picnic in the park as they do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one of them goes to the can and he's peeing in the trough urinal with both his hands on the wall like like I don't even know why and then Braden emerges from the stall fully in ninja guard <laughs> just, I, I have so many jokes about meaning men in public bathrooms that I'm not going to make um in situations that ended better than this one. It is such... Why does he have to dress like a ninja to kill that man? <laughs> it's because really important. Just in, maybe just in case someone else walks in. Just in case. He can't He can't let them know who he is, I guess. Can't buy a fucking but, ski mask? Go ahead, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because my, my whole thought process is there's, there's a moment in there where you got to think, so he's just in the stall putting this on the whole time. <laughs> like, you know? Exactly. Have you ever tried to have you ever tried to change clothes in a public bathroom stall? You do not want anything to touch the ground. Exactly. Right. Like I've changed out of my suit after work in a public bathroom stall, and I'm like like practically standing on the can. So like I don't get anything <laughs> touching the terrifying floor. And that's in a Japanese bathroom in Tokyo. Those are clean. Like and better yet. Have you ever tried to put on a ninja suit before? I mean, it's not easy. I yeah, I guess yeah. It's a lot. It's, it's, you got the you got the gi. You got the belts. Yeah, the belts. You gotta yeah. you gotta hide all those stars. Like all the gear. Go, all the gear. Like and in a like, way, he maybe he's a better ninja than we thought because think of how how much he had to do just for this one scene without then, getting hurt. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. and then he immediately changed out, and I imagine his suit stayed pressed using the 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 I guess Martinizing is a ninja technique. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, and then there's the the other like the the sexy the sexy hit, right? There's the the sex scene where the the, the, the mafia guy having sex and he kills that guy too. Uh, which yeah. Is oh yeah, yeah. The most gratuitous sex scene. Like how well, do she we drowns think? instantly. Like yeah. she just pushes under and like for two seconds later she's gone. <laughs> yeah. How do you fit tits in this ninja film? I got an idea, I guess, is what is is the only only reason for that. A lot of gratuitous a lot of stuff just kind of thrown in just to throw it in, like the the ninja cop, you know <laughs> he does nothing. Like he has the one fight scene in the park, which is a great. But does the movie change at all without him in the movie? No. Yeah. His 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 whole existence is to say, I know someone who was in Japan once and let me go talk to them or something. <laughs> his whole existence is we need a white guy. <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure that's the case. I think that they just wanted to have a white guy in the movie too. You know, because like Makes sense. Uh, the Gorn and Globus didn't want to make, didn't want to have it be about his son, Kane, and didn't want to have Kane in the movie because they're like, you can't have a movie with two Japanese people. Are you crazy? I mean, come on, oh. everyone else has to be white. <laughs> to be honest, at that time, to have a leading man, that is kind of risky. I mean, it's oh, yeah. terrible to say at that time, but yeah, I mean, have a leading man be Asian, then like his son is a supporting actor. Yeah, that's that's a real risk. But I mean, you know, like again, he pulled it off with having that authenticity. Yeah, he well, he Shokushugi might have been the first Asian actor to get top billing in a film because even Bruce Lee did in an American-made film 
because even in Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee shares top billing with John Saxon. Hmm. Yep. Like they, they hedged their bets. Bruce Lee, John Saxon, Enter the Ninja. You know, or depending on the market, Bruce Lee, Jim Kelly, Enter the Ninja. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes yeah. sense, actually. That's a fascinating movie. Depending on who they're advertising it to, like Enter the Dragon, uh, they would have Jim Kelly be the second star or John Saxon. Like hmm. in the white markets, it was John Saxon. In the black markets, it was Jim Kelly. And well, it's funny too. You know, after this, you know, it, it was like Shokosugi was a, a household name for slightly household name. But when you know, when Pray for Death came out, like people were anticipating that. Really, you think so? Oh yeah, I, I, at least from where I remember seeing it. Remember seeing it in papers when I saw it at the theater. Like people really anticipated that movie. Yeah, I never seen Pray for Death. Is it any good? I love. I saw that at the theater as well. I love that movie. You had a cool uh, parents, I love the suit. Hey, man, <laughs> I, I saw a lot of stuff I shouldn't have seen. <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to Norm's parents, for real. Yeah, yeah not, not just my dad. Like I was saying in the last episode, my, my, I, my dad was a bad censor, but only if he wanted to see it. So, like, I don't think my dad wanted to see this movie. So, I never got to see, I never got to see Shokushugi fight um, a Native American with Tomahawks. Oh yeah. my goodness! That, yeah. So this movie, maybe I don't. Maybe we shouldn't do a whole scene by scene thing. I think there are three scenes worth mentioning. There's this fight, the park fight, and the end fight. Because fuck the plot. Um, uh, well, the, yeah. the chase, of course. The chase. So yeah. So what's the setup for the chase, uh, 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 Anthony? What's going on now? Okay, the chase scene, if I remember, is is it when I think, um, not Kane. It's when uh, Cho. It's kind of when he catches, I think, the guys that are taking the stuff out of his art gallery mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. they've loaded up with the heroin already. So he's realizing these guys are using his place as a front, and he starts chasing them. And it becomes this like manic scene where at one point he's like hanging off the back of this van, and it looks like at one point is <laughs> he's also like just kind of just being dragged by the back of this thing through the street. It's it's a scene that even if you filmed it now it would be impressive in a way and. I mean, like Jackie Chan wouldn't even do one of these stunts, like with him just hanging off the back of his van and yeah. his whole front of his body just like being pulled along the ground. And they, it's a weird thing that I did notice, but they did kind of keep the, I don't want to say continuity, but I guess like later you do see like his clothing and his pants are all ripped his and pants tore are up. Gone. You know, <laughs> he's got like battle damage on his clothes, man. But it's like, it's the chase scene is better than I thought it was going to be for a movie like that was such a low budget movie. I was like, this will probably last like a few seconds and I'll cut, you know, make some weird cuts. But he was on the back of that van for a while and it was actually a really well done scene. Yeah. It's it's interesting that you say too, you know, Jackie Chan wouldn't do this because uh, I was thinking this while watching it again. Like, man, a lot of people must have got hurt in this movie. And apparently a lot of people did get hurt. Yeah. And why did a lot of people them, get hurt? Well, what most of the them reason? were like, oh, go ahead. I think you found something about that. Like, why were people getting hurt so much on this movie? Just like, I mean, the scenes were just kind of a little too brutal. Uh, like, some guy like dislocated his like tailbone and like, like just just massive injuries to the uh, Utah stunt people. Though apparently, yeah, yeah, Utah, uh, Utah stuntmen apparently aren't up to snuff compared to uh, Hollywood stuntmen. Yeah, that's, yeah. Who that's, knew? That's, that's wild. But like when the guy got pulled down on that on that same chase right before the chase scene, when that guy got pulled down that ladder and like hit his face on the ladder, it's like that seemed like he really hit his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. And and like that that whole sequence from the from the fight before the chase to the to the chase to the fight after the chase, they're pulling out all the stops. 
like there's amazing choreography. There's show doing like the shows doing the flips all over the fe- over the f- walls for no reason. Um, jumping through the goddamn windshield, then the fight in the in the truck, and then being dragged by the truck, and then another fight after it with the guy with the nunchucks, and then the the, the, the tomahawks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have, have either of you seen the raid movies? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. The raid two. Oh man. Um, the raid two has a great chase scene, and there's a great fight in a car while the car is moving. And if you watch the raid two, there's also I think on the Blu-ray I've got the Blu-ray four, and I think they show how they film that scene. Um, and it's like this movie, the raid two, is like not even maybe not even a decade old. It's one of the best action movies. If you've never seen the uh-huh. great movies, go watch them. Uh-huh. But this this movie, I was like, wait, they did the fight in a moving vehicle before the raid? Because to me, that was like the first time I'd seen something like that. And like, they did it in this movie. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that car is moving. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of impressive. impressive. Yeah, it's, it's well <laughs> done. And like, Cho showed his own stunts jumping past the car. Like, it's some good stuff in that sequence. It's, it's I guess they spent a week filming just that scene. I'm glad you said that too because uh, he said one of the guys thought he killed him when he <laughs> rolled in like <laughs> in front of the van. Ooh. Like he said it was uh, because you see it like you know he rolls away from it like just like at the nick of time. But he said he was so close to it that he thought he died. Yeah, it's a it's a great scene, and then I feel like the next fight scene the the next fight scene literally has nothing to do with anything else in the movie. Like the the cop says, "I got a lead." And on who might steal the dolls, the lead is wrong. It's this this gang at the park, and they go, <laughs> oh that gang, um, they're flamboyant. That, oh, there's some. They got the Ryan. They got the you got the rhinestone cowboy. Um, you got the dude in the rising sun, the rising sun shirt. I'm a. I'm gonna see if I can get a. Uh, I don't know why I put that file, but yeah, they, they are the most. The, they got the the black dude in the back with the very very short shorts, <laughs> like, exactly. and he, he is sitting behind the rhinestone cowboy with his legs spread. It's like, don't sneeze. Um, <laughs> or hey, or hey, you know what? Sneeze. Um, whatever. And that fight sequence is also just. Absolutely incredible, <laughs> but it was awesome as is the way it was done, though. I mean, it's yeah. just really, really good. Like each time somebody gets hit in it, it seems brutal, and like the moves are really, really cool. Like you, you never seen anything like this before. There was no action machine action scenes like this before, and and it uses the the park very well. Mm-hmm. You know what I thought's kind of interesting in that movie that, uh, or in that scene in the movie that I don't really think you see too much in any other movies is like the people that are just standing there watching, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> like I don't know why it, it, goddamn it was a <laughs> yeah, it was a weird thing that I just noticed at the point, like just the people in the background watching the fight because that's kind of how it would happen in real life. You'd be like these. These fucking people are just going at it. You would just kind of be so caught up in it. You'd be like, what is happening yep. right now? Yeah. They would have cell phones and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I used to go to this bar in Tokyo, and it's kind of this, like, not a bad area, but a more, like, I guess, bohemian area called Koenji. And the one, I used to go every Thursday, and the one Thursday I didn't go, I guess there was literally a katana fight. 
Oh, like two guys, like somebody got pissed off and somebody pulled a katana out and started chasing him. And I was like, God damn it, I missed it. I, I would have watched that. And the bartender's like, You wouldn't go inside? I'm like, No, it's a katana fight. I'm not, there's no drive by katana. <laughs> like, I'm. <laughs> I'm pretty safe. I want to see this. I want to, whatever's going to happen, I want to see it. You know, it's going to be cool. That's why I moved here, man. <laughs> for, for katana fights. For ninja fight. I, I have lived in Tokyo for eight years. I have never seen a ninja or a Yakuza kill anyone, and I'm pissed. I feel like if you see a ninja, they're not good at their job. <laughs> ah. Uh, maybe, you yeah, you're right. You're right. Fuck. I just said one funny thing about that scene just uh you know about the park is that the guy was a cop and they clearly were all doing illegal things <laughs> and had a gun <laughs> but they don't arrest them and they just walk away yeah well i guess they i get maybe he does the math in his head like they all broke the law but this was clearly excessive force maybe i doesn't just, he doesn't he just watch it for a while before he before he joins the fight a little bit a little bit because I, I felt like is he gonna do anything or is he just watching them fight yeah one of them pulled out a fucking gun right one of them pulls a gun out, and and people just kind of chill. The crowd ducks. Yeah, the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like I like that that Cho. We keep calling him Cho. His character's Cho. The actor is Cho, so that's why they go back the back and forth. Um, Cho has combat fans, like like <laughs> hand fans, just in his socks, like he's fucking Molina from <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Oh, that's good. It's so stupid, but it's a great fight. Well, no, his his character is, I mean, even from the beginning, right, when they start off in America and he tells his son, I think when he's kind of scolding him for getting in a fight, he's like, you know, we moved here to to start a new life and to avoid all the violence and stuff that we left in Japan, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but he's always ready, you know, like he, he's that, he's like that, that cowboy that's like, I gave up that life, but you know, it's always there. Right. I mean, you, you, we even see it later when he goes to his, his dojo and he's got the wall of like all the stuff just stored just in case he yeah. gave the life up, but he's always got stuff ready to go. Yeah. yeah. You gotta have, you gotta have a ninja trunk, right? Yeah. you got that thing on you, man. You got the, you got the fan or whatever it is. You always got something just in case. <laughs> well, Braden had the uh, ninja attache case. So why not? <laughs> <laughs> I like, I really enjoy that. Like, so when Cho decides to go back to the life of the ninja, he he opens he 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 swore to not do it, so he has to break a seal on a sword, <laughs> and very dramatic. And then he has to open his ninja trunk, which has built-in underlights, like it's like from fucking Fast and Furious, like it has like <laughs> the light under the trunk to shine. Uh, it, it looks like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But with, but with ninja stars. Um, and he needs all that gear for the ending because the ending, the, the last, like, what, 20 minutes of this movie is just this bonkers, bonkers uh, action sequence. I know the, uh, the, the final sequence is literally 10 minutes long. So, oh, man. Yeah. And that's a long time, you know, for like a ninja fight. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So they, everyone meets up at the mafioso's building i guess and 
it just all goes to hell. <laughs> and everybody be killing everybody and shit. It's great. It, Basically. Is it is it before that? Is it when he goes to get the weapons when he says the best line in any movie of all time? What's the best it line? It takes oh. it takes a ninja. What is, how does it I don't want to mess it up. What is it? Uh it takes a ninja to stop a ninja or something? Is it uh, that, it, yeah, yeah. Isn't that also a, a very similar line in Enter the Ninja? Uh, I, I feel like there's this idea in ninja films that like only ninja can, yeah, only a ninja can stop a ninja. Uh, yeah, that's it. And I feel it's a similar line in Enter the Ninja. It's almost like ninjas have the Jason Voorhees, um, uh, let you know, um, what do you mythos like in in Friday the Thirteenth? And Jason goes to hell. They establish that only a Voorhees can kill a Voorhees, um, for reasons. So only a ninja can stop a ninja. So you need another ninja or possibly Chuck Norris. What's cool about uh, Shoko Chugi is that like his facial like features, and mm-hmm. because he has the best scowl, uh, you know, it, like when he uh, you, when you only see his eyes when they're in the mask, it's just you know. You can't beat that. You know, Sonny Chiba, you know, has that one on Revenge of Shinobi, which you talked about earlier, but mm-hmm. he just has the best look and his hair is beautiful. He has the oh, most man. shiny, oh. luxurious hair mm-hmm. of anyone I've ever seen in my life. So jealous. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's good. You, you mentioned Sonny Chiba. It's a bummer that they never worked together. Like they could have just yeah, had like the scowling ninja twins. Before we get to the final, final fight, there's the, the ascent up the building. What's your favorite? My favorite part of that scene is the PVC bow and arrow. Like the pipe yeah. bow and arrow to suit a grappling hook to go from building to building. I love that. Through concrete. Um, in, in concrete, yes. That's a good bow and arrow. Um, you, either of you have any standouts in that whole, before the final fight, any, any other standout parts there? Anthony? I was just amazed that like they legit showed him doing that because... There was a moment where I was like, I think we talked about this with Enter the Ninja 2, right? There's a lot of times we're like, oh, you know, it's just funny to me that we see a bunch of ninjas fighting out in daylight, in the open. And I don't (laughs) know why, but in this movie, it worked for some reason. So when he starts scaling the building, I'm like, is no one fucking noticing that there's a ninja climbing a building? But it was also so cool to watch. I was really like about it. I was just so like, when he starts putting, they kind of close up on his hands, you start seeing him putting on. The, the gloves and I'm like, is he about to scale this building? And when he actually started doing it, I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> well, they always say that like you can always tell who the tourist is in a big city because they, they look up. You know, like so there's no tourist in Utah. So um, yeah. no one's gonna yeah. see him. It's a it's a flawless plan. Any anything stand out for you, Norm? Yeah, well on that scene, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, they I looked at it because it was kind of freaky to me it's like is this are they really doing this i mean it's the 80s so they had to there was no cg yeah. back then there were no nets it was only cables so yeah it's fucking it's crazy. pretty freaky that is yeah. insane and one of the shots doesn't even have a cable like yeah, that, they could, is... they, so like if he would have tripped he'd be dead, yeah, dead. They, they, they they risk a lot they risk a lot back then and and in the commentary they were like we were stupid we were stupid yeah. no movie's worth that so at least they learned their lesson I, I also well, like in go ahead. Oh, I just say my, my favorite scene was just when he uh <laughs> he was apparently carrying, you know, darts in his mouth and he spit them at somebody <laughs> with enough force <laughs> yes. to kill them. <laughs> yes. That is a powerful loogie. I like how 
So during this whole time, Cassie's been kidnapped because she kidnapped Kane, and then she was surprised that Brayden was going to kill Kane. It's like, lady, what did you think he was going to do? Buy him cookies? And so <laughs> he's like, well, I'm going to kill you too in a spa. So he ties her up to a hot tub while his giant uh, servant, who's uh, that's a sumo, that's, a, that's an actual wrestler, a pro wrestler. That's Professor Tanaka. He worked with, with uh, Mr. Fuji a few times. He is watching her basically get killed. Uh, my favorite part of that is he has Kane tied up in the sauna, I, I guess to sweat him to death, maybe. I don't know. And at one point, Braden just opens the door, laughs at Kane, closes the door and leaves. Like that's like, uh, I'm going to kill you. Bye. I don't know. And then, and, <laughs> and then Kane saves the day by using nunchucks awesomely. Like the nunchucks are as tall as him. He distracts the sumo guy by saying, look, it's Superman. <laughs> Which the guy falls for. I believe Kane murders that man by throwing him in a sumo in, in the hot tub after he knocks him out. And then Kane glaringly stares <laughs> at Kathy in her wet top as she calls the police. <laughs> yeah, just complete full erect nipples like going right through the uh the tank top. Yeah, and you it's could just... you could you could cut glass with those nipples and you could cut glass <laughs> with uh Kane's stare. He is just like <laughs> deadlocked on her tent. <laughs> it is at that I mean, moment he was glad he was a part of the movie. Yeah, exactly. At that, at that moment, Kane became a man. Um but we we should talk about the final fight. It's spectacular. Well, a couple things I always wondered. Uh, you know, I know as kids, like on my block, we always would do the little uh, ninja hand gestures. <laughs> and I didn't know if they have actually meant anything. Or, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. If, did you watch it with your boyfriend? He didn't. I know when they're doing them in Enter the Ninja, they mean something. Mm-hmm. So they're not complete nonsense. I think they're overused a bit. But I think there is some, there's a kernel of truth there. I forgot what it was exactly. Okay. Uh, my boyfriend is Japanese, but he's not a ninja, as far as I know. So, you know. <laughs> as far as you know. That'd be adorable. Um, he's a professor. <laughs> uh, this little little glasses. And, anyway, sorry. Or, uh, or is he? Or is he? <laughs> I, I, I have too many jokes. Um that, that's not funny if you, don't, if you don't, don't don't know my boyfriend. But anyway, yeah, I don't know about that stuff. Like they they they, they both kind of sit and do their little like pregame, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I thought was but, pretty cool though. I, yeah, I, I yeah. love it. They have the respect for before they go to town on the tennis court. <laughs> exactly. You, you know when when I realized that they were going to fight on the building, I did not think there was going to be a tennis court on top of the building. And a jacuzzi. Yeah. And a jacuzzi. But, yeah. I mean, the fight, having the fight on the rooftop, I mean, come on. That's very Final Boss-like. Oh, totally. That's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. And yep. they just throw out all the stops. Like, that's what the, the the poster is referencing that scene. Like, he has that little baton that suits fire. You know, I, I talk about the poster, and again, I know this is an audio medium for people that have not, if you have not Googled <laughs> the poster, what are you doing? Pause it right now, Google it, and then come back. Uh, but yeah, in the poster... He is holding what looks like, you know, like a firework or something. He's like shooting fire out of something in his left hand. And there was a part of the movie where I was like, was that just a thing they put to make the poster look more interesting? Because I haven't seen him use whatever this is. And then that final scene, they do that. And he also 
They also throw, I, I think Brayden throws down a smoke bomb at one point in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like they, they throw out every possible ninja weapon that they could carry. It was yeah. so good. Yeah, all the ninja gear. They have the claws. They got, like, bolos. They got nunchucks. They got bows. They got katana. They got staffs. They got paper mache. <laughs> when- they chase each other while doing flips and run away doing flips. Hey, you know, it's to get the style. It's like you want to keep your combo going, right? Is that how that works? Like, like, I, like if you just if you just if you just walk, you lose your combo. But if you do those backflips, you can keep you can get the the multiplier up. That's how oh, that yeah. works. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally, totally. I love that he has that paper mache model. <laughs> and, Lambert seemed uh, annoyed at that. Uh, he, I would be when annoyed he talked too. about it. Really, I liked it. I thought it was really cool. It was just, it was so strange and like out of nowhere that it was like, this guy's a, a dummy. He has a, a, a doppelganger. Huh? And, and he's hollow. Yeah. And he's, and, and does he have like a robot in the hot tub? I, the hey. hand comes out of the hot tub and then he cuts the arm off, but it's, again, it's like ceramic. And, and you get then, to laugh. And then he jumps out of the hot tub immediately dry. <laughs> <laughs> some that's some Michael Caine and Jaws four shit. Just at this white this five seconds totally dry. But yeah, it's a it's a great ending. Um, I I wish you know I don't even know like it's it is so much better than the final fight and, and Enter the Ninja. Oh yeah, it's it's better than a lot of fights I've seen in like a lot of modern movies. Like I'm not even kidding. Like yeah, it's. The setting is memorable. The, I mean, everything about it, like everything about the way it's shot, it's, it's really fun. And even the stuff like pulling the hand out of the hot tub, it's so ridiculous. But it's like, it's memorable. Like, even us talking about this right now makes me want to watch the movie all over again. And even thinking about the fight at the end of Enter the Ninja, it's like, ah, yeah, it happened. But this is like, no, this whole fight is worth watching this whole movie again for me. Like. Yeah, I can go to YouTube and YouTube the scene, but it's like they really did. I mean, we talked about how wild it was to see that chase scene, especially for them to film that like in 1983. Mm-hmm. But everything they did in this movie, action wise, they did really escalate to a point where it's like, we're going to make it worth your time. Like you've sat through the movie. Here you go. Here's this is a ninja fight. It's the only way we can end the movie. Yeah. It's, it's so well done. Yeah. Any, any thoughts? Yeah, that was on? a really good payoff. No, yeah. I mean, that's literally what it is. You know, I remember watching it, you know, back with my friends. We would watch this movie just incessantly. And it's just like you waited for that part. Everybody just wanted to see the final fight with the ninja. We would rewind it like 20 million times. And, you know, <laughs> with the, uh, the the spray, you know, it's really akin. Oddly enough, it's kind of akin to like a lot of anime, uh, like, you know, the how expressive it is when it like you just shoot straight out and just like tons of blood just like pouring out so yeah it's, it's really yeah. cool scenes i love yeah, it because he does lay waste to brayden by stabbing him in the heart because that'll do it and just the a gush just like a water fountain of of blood just flies out of him and it's <clears throat> it's very satisfying and then you get the uh, the uh, Star Wars, you know, Revenge of the Jedi or Return of the Jedi uh, reveal with the mask off and it's Braden's face. So, no, you killed my. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, one thing that interests we both all three of us love this movie, obviously. And, you know, if you go to the IMD, if you go to Wikipedia, it says it got a, a 32 out of 100 
but that's only based on five reviews. I did research into looking at reviews at the time, and there were a lot of bad reviews, obviously, but a lot of people liked this movie. <laughs> like, it got decent reviews. Um, most of the critics were like, it's stupid, and the dialogue's bad, and the plot makes no sense, but, you know, ninjas. <laughs> and so I feel like a lot of people, if they went in with the right expectations at the time, they really enjoyed it. And this movie was a massive success. It cost less than a million dollars to make. It was distributed by MGM when it came out. Um, unlike Enter the Ninja, Enter the Ninja had that weird rolling start. We went over that. Remember that, Anthony? How, it, like, yeah, this opened wide. Um, opened in September 83, stayed open at number three behind Risky Business and Mr. Mom, but also good movies. And Risky Business. Risky, yeah, Risky Business. Yeah, good movie. And stuck around in the, in the top 10 for like four weeks. It made good movie. It made good money. It was a, And it was Canon Films' most successful ninja film, which is the fact that you have to say most successful ninja film really tells you how many films they put out. But there is Ninja 3, which maybe we'll get to later. But the big lesson Canon learned here, unfortunately, was hey, if this movie's popular, what if a ninja was white? <laughs> and that's where, like, they, and that's why a Ninja 3 has a woman as kind of the main character who's, a white, who's white, and that's why American Ninja happened. Well, I, one thing I can say thanks to this podcast, because I always wondered what Ninja 2 was, <laughs> and, you know, I'm, seriously, because it said Ninja 3, the domination. Like, where was Ninja 1 and 2? But, I mean, there you go. Yeah, Into well, the ninja Revenge of the Ninja. It's an anthology series, right? They're just like it's like Twilight Zone with ninjas. Like, there's nothing in common. Just Shokashugi and Ninja. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Because I mean, if, if you come into this thinking it's a sequel, you're like, wait a minute, because you know he wouldn't show wouldn't be in this movie if you saw oh. the Ninja if it's a sequel. No, no, unless he had a really good, unless he had a really good doctor. They <laughs> cut his fucking head off. So have I um Norm, you've seen Ninja Three, right? I saw like bits and pieces uh, of it, but it just kind of freaked me out because I know it was about possession or something like that and some girl gets possessed. Mm -hmm. And I like the cover. But Oh uh, man, well, maybe we should we've already done two ninja films. <laughs> so I figured it's kind of stupid to stop now. So maybe at some time we'll we'll cover the third one. Ninja three is a masterpiece. Um it is it is Ninja 3, I think I said in the last episode. By the time we hit Ninja 3, we have hit peak 80s. And that movie should be on a million synthwave covers. It is just <laughs> the most 80s Ninja film you could possibly imagine. I would say, objectively speaking, this is a better film. But in terms of, like, let's get drunk and watch a Ninja movie, Ninja 3 is very good. Also, like I said in the last one, if, you, if, you're, uh, if you're the type of person who wants to see a woman... With you know, a, a very attractive woman ninja, the Ninja Three also a great film. Um, but yeah, I have Ninja Revenge of the Ninja better than Enter the Ninja in every conceivable way. Would you agree? Totally. Yeah. Totally agree. Any other thoughts on Revenge of the Ninja? If you've somehow listened to this episode and you've heard us talk about this movie from every possible angle, and you still have not watched it, just go watch it. You're still going to enjoy it. You might even enjoy it more with some of this knowledge of the movie. Um, but I'm telling you, seriously, uh, just sit down, get ready for a fun night. If you have not watched Revenge of the Ninja, 
Go ahead and do it. We'll wait. And when you come back, you're welcome. Yes. That's all nope. I'm gonna say. No one. And I just think it's the definitive ninja movie, honestly. You know, I've seen tons of ninja movies, you know, going forth past this, but I always go back to this one. It's it was to my baby. To baby the baby the ninja. How how influential is this on your love of ninjas in video games, you think? Well, I mean, it made me think of, you know, Shinobi. Like, when that first came out, I instantly thought of this movie, you know. Um, like, just every every part of it. Like, Ninja Gaiden. Oh, Ninja Gaiden. Excuse me. And, Gaiden. like, everything. It just all had a part. Of, like, he, in his suit, his scowl, his, you know, his eyes. I wanted to be like him when I was a kid. You know, I just thought he was just the coolest person in the world. I, I love the show, uh, Koshugi. Yeah. How much do you think it would cost to find out who... So, MGM owns this now. Someone should license this and make an ape like the guys who made that Shadow Warrior, that 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 recent ninja game that came out, or like the Messenger ninja game. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I I want to see an eight bit or sixteen bit Revenge of the Ninja video game now. You can really do that. It's pretty. I easy. would play the shit out of that. And then imagine this score, but chip tune. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it'd be so good. But anyway, we just, before we be hypo, talk about hypothetical ninja video games, we should wrap this up. Uh, Anthony, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bruce Wayne Brady. Also on Twitch, where I stream uh, fighting games and uh, currently like playing some uh, Souls games. A uh, little bit of everything, really. But also on, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Bruce Wayne Brady. And Norm? You can find me at youtube.com a question of character twitter at normally retro or question of c and how many episodes so question of characters look at like old video game characters you know it is but i kind of want to do movies and other things too like i would love to do this easily yeah like how many video game ninjas have you covered i'm actually going to do one prefacing this episode Oh, so good. that's going to be Wrath of the Black Manta, and oh, I've done cool. about three now, counting Strider. So good, 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 good synergy. Good job. Anyway, um, you can find me online as usual at LostTurntable.com, on Twitter at LostTurntable, at YouTube at LostTurntable, and also on my other podcast, uh, Alexander's Ragtime Band, which is not about ninjas. It is about progressive rock. The episode we're going to go up, I think, the week before this is all about. Uh, we did an entire episode about keyboards. It's interesting. Trust me. Um, anyway, that'll be it for today. Uh, Norm, Anthony, thanks for doing the first uh, triple threat uh, episode of Cinema Oblivion. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. All right. It was great. Yep. Until I'll, I'll see you all again in a couple of weeks. Until then, take care. <laughs> <laughs>